0: Uh, this is Chris Murphy and Patrick Sukup here with Fort Collins Fellows. We wanted to do this episode, and it's specifically about how to win a deal in this market. And the market we're talking about is Northern Colorado. So, you know, Patrick's coming at it from the real estate agent side. I'm coming at it from the lending side. But we're just going to go over some of the things that we're seeing right now in this market. Here we are in February, March of 2022, and inventory is an issue, rates are going up. And these are the things that we're kind of trying to tell our clients to give them a leg up and try to to get under contract, really. And so, Patrick, I'm going to let you start out a little bit. I've got my things and we'll just kind of, you know, let's just dive right into it. So, No, definitely. And this is a
1: crazy time because one of the questions that, you know, some of my clients will ask me when we submit an offer is, you know, do you think this is a good offer? And when continually we are above list price offering these, tools and tips uh, to secure a deal, I feel like, and I tell them this, I feel like I'd be an asshole if I said this was anything but a great offer. It just depends on if there is somebody else putting in a crazier, stronger offer that might work with them and their goals. So one of the things that I've been sending to my clients is these different tools and tactics that I have used. And I, I tell them, I said, we don't have to use all of them but more than likely we will have to use some of them depending on the strength of the property and the aggressiveness of other buyers. Because the first tool that I definitely suggest is to, for the agent, the buyer's agent to call the listing agent to see what the activity is on the home. If the offer deadline, if there is one, is it hard or are the sellers reviewing them as they come in? Because that's going to kind of dictate how I'm going to compose and strategize with my buyers to put an offer in. Because if they're reviewing them as they come in, the speed to offer is the strategy. If they are hard on their deadline of Sunday at five o'clock, you don't wanna become that high watermark that the agent is then going to use to tell other agents, hey, we've got five offers, one of them is at X. And all of a all of a sudden, if you dropped that offer too early, you're the X and all somebody has to do is do X plus 1,000
0: and they become the ability to win that deal. So there's can agents do that, happens. by the way? Can agents? Oh. D- they can say, "Hey, we got an offer. If it's listed at five fifty, yeah, we got an offer five seventy five right now?"
1: It is the wild west as far as how mm-hmm. listing agents are dealing with communication of the offers on the property. They should ultimately be dictated by what information the owner wants disclosed. Because yeah. ultimately that listing agent should be an advocate and a fiduciary of that seller. So that seller should be dictating and that listing agent should be detailing different options for them. But really, honestly, unfortunately, of what I've seen is, you know, listing agents doing it one way or another and probably not even talking about it with their, their clients, um, what they're doing. So number one, you got to have a conversation with that
0: listing agent. That's That's yeah. my first tip. And, and I, from the lending side, I always will go to my buyer's agent and be like, let me know if you want me to call this listing agent. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties into some of the things on the lending side that I wanted to mention. Obviously, this goes without saying, but you got to get pre-approved, not pre-qualified. You got to get pre-approved. And what I'm doing, you should talk to your lender, whoever you're working with, is get your file into underwriting. Get it underwritten. And so, and have your, your team start working through these conditions. So when the time comes that you are putting in an offer and they ask you, hey, can you call this listing agent? And they go, you know, they're always funny. Like, hey, have you confirmed like uh, their income, their assets? I'm like, no, no, I think they're pretty, no. It's like, I always get these questions. I'm like, of course, everything has been confirmed. And then you can say, listen, they're already through underwriting. And if we want to order a rush appraisal and we want to close this thing in two weeks, we can do that. So I think that's something that I'm, I'm doing with a lot of my clients right now on the buy side is, getting everything collected and, and it kind of goes back to if you're a buyer right now, it's like, don't go on Zillow. Don't go on redfin realtor.com, you know, cause you're going to find the house of your dreams. Most likely it's already off the market. Anyways, it's not even going to be available, get everything done ahead of time. You know, and one of the things I tell everybody is, is most issues are assets. They're moving money all over the place and it just causes way more of a headache. And then they're like, Oh, this is such a pain in the butt. Why does the underwriter need these things? and it's like listen if you just get your money together i think come back to just having a game plan and i and i always figure like if i can sit in the room with the real estate agent the clients Myself, we saw all right, here's our game plan. Those always seem to be the smoothest transactions because there's no, oh, I thought you said this or I, I thought you said that. You know, everybody knows exactly what they got to do in terms of getting this thing going. But I would say, yeah, just getting, ask your underwriter, get into underwriting as soon as possible. And I think, then
1: I think that helps uh, the deal that we just did.
0: Honestly, when I talked with
1: the listing agent, you know, when we submitted on our clients over on Matthews yeah. and uh Know The listing agent, knowing that our clients were already through underwriting was potentially there. I think they had three offers that I believe was the differentiating factor was that, Hey, lending is basically tied up. I know Chris as a lender and know that group. And I feel comfortable doing this deal, which I'm sure maybe, you know, ties into one of your next tips.
0: Yeah. You know, I was just like knowing the agents and everything like that is, is big and working with local people. And Patrick, like if you're a listing agent right now and you get 10 offers that come in and eight out of the 10, you know, let's just say for the sake of just comparing apples to apples, you know, you know, of like, you know, eight out of the 10 are all local lenders and the other two are Chase and Wells Fargo. I mean, I have a hard time saying that you're going to even look at those.
1: Yeah. Chase and Wells Fargo. I mean, I, I've done deals with my buyers, um, with those banks and lending institutions as the lender and it gets done it is just annoying and generally speaking the sellers are probably only going to a listing agent are only going to go with that offer if they are only offers on the table because if there is a deal with somebody that i know is going to be the the buyer's advocate like you can be like you can push specifically when my buyer has a question or concern they call you and say hey chris what do I need to do? How do I need to work it? Rather than calling 1-800-WELLS-FARGO, right? waiting online and, <laughs> oh, this is loan number one two seven six four two. Why don't I, you get patched through to somebody who has no idea who you are, no idea about the deal, no idea about Northern Colorado, and you're
0: just hoping for the best. And, and like, I, I'll tell people too that call me up and, and I don't necessarily work. I mean, you know, I don't win every deal that gets presented my way. But the one thing I always tell people is I go, find somebody on the ground you know, you know where my office is. Here's my cell phone number. You know, you're not going to work with a bunch of different loan offers because at the end of the day, you know, the listing agents and the sellers, they just want that security blanket. And if you happen to have, you know, I've been lucky enough to do enough deals where I've got to know a lot of these agents so I can call them up on their cell phone and just be like, Hey man, you know, I'm representing the buyers on your property, yada, yada, yada. They're in great shape. You know, let me know if you have any questions. And so that, you know, if you're a buyer out there, that's a huge, especially, if you're coming from out of state or you're you're you know you're just you know you you're not too familiar, you don't have any friends that say, hey, you got to call up my real estate agent, that person is great, do that research and find somebody local. One other thing that we want to touch base on is the appraisal gaps. Yeah, because nobody is winning an offer at list price right now. And I will from the lending side, this is how it works. And I always kind of explain it. If you have a house that's listed for five hundred thousand, and you win the offer at five hundred twenty-five thousand but the appraisal comes back in at $500,000, you need to bring an extra $25,000 to the table to fill that gap. So what's happening is if I have a bar that say has, I don't know, $100,000, maybe we structure the deal where it's just like, hey, you put 10% down, 50 grand, you hold on to that other 50 grand as just your, your leverage to try to win this deal to cover any appraisal gaps. Because the reality is nobody is winning any offers right now at list price, and what, what is how? So I always tell people it's to protect the lender and the borrower, and we always go off the lesser of those two amounts. So it's and it, you know if the house goes on, you get it for five twenty-five or five fifty, and the appraisal comes in at five seventy-five, you're golden. You know you're walking into equity. But Patrick, how how are you having those conversations with your buyers about appraisal gaps?
1: Yeah, no, which kind of leads me into I'm going to rattle off some different uh, tools and tricks as far as on the, the agent and representative side, which top of the line is... You've got to have a cleanly written contract. Don't be submitting a contract which you, as a buyer, would have no clue what a contract's supposed to look like. But that's where hopefully you've done your research. You're working with uh, you know an active, very active agent and lender in this community be- or in this real estate market because it's so dynamic that you need to have it done. So you need to have a very very clean contract that the uh, listing agent feels comfortable that they're working with somebody competent on the other side which then leads me into kind of this this laundry list of, I literally send this to my, my buyers, Chris, of here are some tools and tricks that I use to secure contracts. You don't necessarily have to use all of them, more than likely we'll use some of them, but based off the conversation that I have with the listing agent, we will employ some of these strategies to try to secure this contract. So I'm just gonna start rattling them. Cool, fire away. Obviously, first and foremost, highest price, generally speaking, is going to be one of the main drivers decided decision factors for the seller. So you've got to be able to at least be close or compete on that. From there, depending on what the goals of our, the seller, do they want a closing in 30 days, a post-occupancy in 60 days because their kids are graduating in May and they just want to be in the house, no, stra- no stress, but they want to get the money in their pocket. You need to know that. Or are they just really dreadful of this really extended contract and they want the money in their pocket. That's why mm-hmm. we're seeing cash deals, you know, winning, but also if you are a finance deal, like you said, a rushed appraisal close in two weeks, you know, two weeks to 21 days is very doable with the finance offer, which is really the only advantage, not only, but one of the few advantages that cash has over lending. So if you can have a, cl- a close tight timeline closing, you're not really missing out on uh, if they're competing against cash. So, a quick timeline or an extended timeline with the post occupancy, depending on what that listing agent says. Mm-hmm. Appraisal gap, just like you said, you know, unfortunately, we are in a time where houses are going over list, generally speaking, the majority, if not all of the time. And most I've had, I, I think I counted it up the other day, I've had 32 offers, and only one of those offers have had to actually employ that appraisal gap. I've had properties that are appraising, but it gets a little dicey. There are there, the one that did not appraise. We knew it was not going to appraise because this was our dream home for a client. And they're like, we don't care. We're basically throwing the kitchen sink at it and we will get it. And they, they were basically uh, qualified enough buyers with a significant amount of money in their pocket that no amount of money would have mattered. Yeah. They were getting this house.
0: Real quick on that. I have a program that will tell you how long it'll take for you to recoup that price. So if you offer $25,000, how long based on the historical appreciation, will that come back? And it's actually amazing. It's sometimes it's only like 10 months. And so I'll tell that to buyers. I'm like, I know you're going way over, but based on historical numbers, you're only going to have to wait maybe 10 months to a year to have that home come back. So back to your list, but I just want to throw it.
1: No, that no, that's, that's, a, that's, that's great. Honestly, is because like, yeah, fortunately we are an appreciating market and if you can maintain if that mortgage works for you, then you yeah. know who cares if your your diet your timelines five to ten years you're gonna have that equity. So right. from there, you know an escalation clause. This is something that kind of hedges your downside or upside risk on offering. I'm gonna offer uh, the house is listed at five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I'm gonna offer five sixty within an escalation clause up to five eighty, escalating two thousand dollars over the next highest number. I've had a couple of deals where I have not had to employ that escalation clause. My clients were totally, completely ready and willing to go up to 580, but we closed the deal at 560. So that is a tool to hedge your upside risk. This one is something to where I don't talk to too many clients about this, but earnest money going hard. Colorado is a very buyer friendly state pretty much for any reason, any time, so long as you're within your dates and deadlines in the contract, you can terminate the contract and your earnest money will be returned to you in full. But that's where that risk on a seller's standpoint from this long extended contract of it falling through, they lose the earnest money, then they're back on the market. It's got kind of a red flag. Well, you could decide, hey, do I want $1,000 of my earnest money to go hard? Half of it, all of it, or none of it. And you could detail that in the contract saying hey, after our inspection objection, 50% of our earnest money will be non-refundable due to the seller. And that provides the seller, hey, at least if we're going to risk it 10 days, we're going to get $2,500 out of it, no matter what, gotcha. and, you know, from there, the last little tool I've used, and this obviously depends on your situation as a professional and the conversations you've had with your buyer is either one, having your buyer pay a portion fraction of your commission and crediting that back to the seller on if the seller's offering, let's just say, let's just use easy round numbers. Sellers offering fifteen thousand dollars commission, five hundred thousand dollars, three percent. So fifteen thousand dollars commission. You offer them to pay. You offer to credit back to the seller. Let's just say twenty five hundred dollars, and your buyer is willing to pay you on your, your buyer agreement twenty five hundred dollars, or you know half a percentage point based off of whatever deal, or just purely giving up that twenty five hundred dollars to secure a deal because you know hey we're in a crazy market. The value is still there. Fortunately, if you do enough deals giving up $2,500 to secure you know, a contract has in fact worked for me. We just closed a deal literally yesterday where it was a doctor of psychology on the seller side. We were not the highest offer. It was an $800,000 deal. So I was making a significant amount of money and I credited it back $2,500. Still made a good amount of money on the deal. And it was what, what basically separated us from, we weren't even the best offer price-wise. We were the second highest, but got the deal done because- uh, the awesome. psychology behind that. So, those are my tips and tools that yeah. I tell all my uh, clients.
0: Well, I, you know, I think this is great. And listen, like, you know, I think the biggest thing is communication and understanding the game plan, especially for first-time home buyers. I make it pretty much mandatory to come into my office and meet with me. And if I can do it with the agent, even better. So, uh, Patrick, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We hope uh, everybody got a little bit out of this, and, and good luck out there uh, in this market. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you.